I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is the AfterBuzz TV AEW Double or Nothing After Show, and have we got a show for you. But before we get started and all the shenanigans, hijinks, and flim flam, let me introduce to you the amazing people I get to work with today. First up, he is the enforcer of the AfterBuzz TV After Show crew. Let's hear it for Josh Alonzo. Oh, how we doing, guys? How we doing? Can't wait to talk about this pay-per-view. Super, super excited about this. I'm pumped. And also, we have the face of WWE Raw After Buzz Wrestling and NXT After Buzz Wrestling. Let's hear it for Flo Bo Boys. Uh, do go on. It's been a couple of weeks to be all hanging out together, but we're having the best time ever. It's double nothing, and I'm winning. I love it. And of course, I am your benevolent host. They call me Fancy Jack farmer and we have such a packed show for you guys we don't even have time for an elite of the week we don't even have time for a runway we got to get right into it so let's do just that folks flobo what did you think of the show overall double nothing is uh one of the bigger shows of the year whether you like it or not and i found that to be very refreshing how they able to make a big show happen with no one really in the stands who bought a ticket so i was i was impressed of how uh, each match meant something. Each one can lead to other storylines. Not, not a filler in that AEW show, uh, but definitely that that's main event will stand on its own for, for a long time to come. Yeah, Josh, this show, I, we've seen a lot of these empty arena shows and we've seen a lot of, you know, pay-per-views and things in the empty arena era. This one just felt bigger to me for some reason. Am I crazy? What did you think of the show? Overall, you just really don't miss the crowd. Like, you are just sucked in so much of the spectacle that's going on, especially with AEW, the way they're presenting the shows. You almost forget that there is no crowd. You're just sucked in so much by not only the athleticism, but the storylines and the, and the characters overall. I mean, it's just an amazing show. Well, this, the, the set to me and the vibe to me actually had kind of Halloween Havoc vibes to me. And what I mean is the fact that the set, even though it was smaller than I think a major arena, it still felt big. It still felt part of the show with the big cards right there up against the, the ring with the big jackpot machines spinning throughout the night. I really, really loved it. Uh, I also really enjoyed all the, the hype videos and things i wanted to say though uh to start off i really appreciate and this is going to come off as a bit of a downer uh but i like that they address shad and uh hana kamara and uh the the very early passing of both of them and kind of opening up a conversation about some of the stuff that's happened on social media that led to, to uh at least uh kamara's uh early uh early passing um but uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I guess I'll, I'll let you guys speak to that if you guys want yeah, to. I mean, speak as, to as, what Excalibur said wasn't actually the most eloquent way of saying it, but he was right. And a lot of times, if we're not good to each other, things happen. On uh, one of our sister shows, After Buzz TV's Women Pro Wrestling Weekly, uh, Gamora was actually one of our stars of the week, where we had a profile about her career. So we had a bit of a connection there as far as educating our audiences about the things she did in stardom and, and the Tokyo Cyber Squad. Uh, in that group she was part of. So it's a, a tragic passing, and I hope the best for her family and those who survived by her. I couldn't have said it any better myself. I mean, 
Yeah, just pretty much that. Whatever Flobo said, <laughs> take it as truth. Yeah. Agreed. It's very it's very easy to be mean to people, but I think the uh, it's the good thing is to be good to people, and it's not that tough. So let's get into the fun stuff, though. Let's talk about this main event. Let's talk about the stadium stampede match. And much like a lot of these cinematic matches, we had no idea what to expect going into it. I, for one found it to be an amazing fun time if you know me and you know my sensibilities you probably already knew i loved this match uh is online though let's start with you josh uh as far as cinematic matches go did this work in comparison to what wwe does it kind of like mm, faltered a little bit but the way they, the story was told and throughout the cuts of each of the different matches through going out throughout the stadium it was great overall i gotta say the mvp of this match i had to say is matt hardy because we got to see not only one not only two but three of his personas and i think that was the most amazing thing ever especially when we saw his what is it the matter of facts perfect <laughs> that was a really really fun part of the show flobo yeah. Now, we've seen a lot of these, and I know we've talked about a lot of the, these cinematic matches between the Boneyard match and the Money in the Bank match, and now we've got this Stadium Stampede match. Uh, what? Where do you think this ranks? Was this one of the best? Was this one of the worst? Was it a miss? Was it a hit? Do you, where do you think it fits with all those? Uh, the short answer is the middle, and it's going to sound pretty ironic. Very uh, safe. Yeah, exactly. The beige alert. Uh, it, it's going. It's going to sound pretty ironic with a with a show that actually had a casino ladder match. But this stadium stampede reminded me so much of Money in the Bank uh, from a month ago. We had a little bit of an extended presentation of what the rules were. We had a, bit, a bunch of comedy spots. Can I say the word spots in this show? Too late. I did it twice, uh, and it was mm-hmm. all entertaining. I thought it was pretty cool, and it was interesting that they decided AEW decided to pump in the crowd noise from the arena into most of his matches as well to give it more of a, a bigger feel. Uh, I, I personally, I do feel the bowling arm match was in a class of itself because we didn't know what to expect at all going in, whereas Stadium yeah. Stampede kind of tells us what's on the tin. But I, I think I'm I'm in the middle, leaning towards positive. If I have to, you know, pick a side, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was. it's funny you mentioned that because I felt the same way about the Boneyard match. It's almost unfair to, to count that one because it was the first and it's kind of, it, it kind of caught us off all off guard. And so I don't know if I can really count that. That aside, personally, this was my favorite of all the cinematic matches I've seen so far because it did have a little bit of everything. Something it did that I thought was really cool, just breaking it down, is it seemed like it had different sections of the match. So it started off with the opening, and Jericho's music instantly pumped me up for this match. I don't know about you guys, but I was singing along as if I was there in the arena, and I love that they had matching kits uh to go with it and just visually it was very easy to tell who was on whose team by the way when they were all scuffling throughout uh but they had the opening and then they had sort of the the matt hardy segment and then they had what i call the shootout in the saloon segment and then they had the uh making fun of football segment before closing it all out uh let's let's break those down real quick uh the hardy transformation ortiz santana uh, Omega and Hardy. I, I got to say, first and foremost with this, before we start heaping a boatload of praise onto Matt Hardy, I think Ortiz is underrated as an MVP character. I, <laughs> I'm saying I can't swim before getting in the little pool. Uh, what did you think of this section of the of the match? Uh, Josh, you talked about it a little bit, but Flo, I want to hear your 
opinion on these guys and what they did. You hit the nail on the head. Ortiz and Santana, they are proud. They are powerful. And we've seen a lot of their, like, uh, their older promos saying, hey, we're tough. We're from New York. We're entertaining your balls off. That was our whole thing. That's great. <laughs> but but they, they made comedy work in a way that was believable. It wasn't them just, like, they took a pie in the face. They took the pie in the face in a way that was very consistent with the characters, which is something that a lot of promotions tend to not do. They tend to, like, work for the spot everything seems to be character motivated which makes it that much better for these guys yeah they uh josh what i thought was interesting is proud and powerful basically murdered matt hardy and we're about to walk away with him face down in the water was that something we're supposed to just forget that they thought they killed somebody and we're just okay with it Honestly, what I thought was going to happen, when, as soon as I saw the wheelchair and the duct tape, I'm like, oh, no. And I saw the pool, I'm just like, instant dots and connecting. I'm just like, oh, no. Are we going to actually see an actual snuff film happening? Because if so, this is no, this is where I draw the line. But, we see the next one for all out. <laughs> but when, when you see him dunking into the pool and everything, instantly you, um, me thinking, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be the lake or reincarnation spot right here. But instead of actually being a lake, it's going to be a pool. And then I was kind of excited to see what uh, – iterations of Matt Hardy we saw we saw Damascus we saw I guess you could say two extreme Matt Hardy and then when I saw um, version one Matt Hardy I'm pretty sure I could speak for all of us here super exciting to see that especially when seeing the little factoids in the bottom right there and I believe he said that he can hold his breath for about what 348 seconds or so give or take yeah it was it was fun and it was a good way to sort of play with those things and the different characters and, and let Matt Hardy be that that broken character he is. Uh, I, I love the little spot, by the way, of throwing Santana into the ice and saying, that will help with your inflammation. <laughs> um, uh, but shifting to that, this was my favorite part of the night, the shootout in the saloon. Hangman Adam Page, I'm going to confess something to you guys. Uh, well, Flo, but you already know this. As AEW was getting going, and they were building up to a Hangman Adam Page versus Chris Jericho title match. I was not on board with Hangman Adam Page. I was like, I don't get it. This guy is not the star they think he is. They have made me such a believer in Hangman Adam Page. That was one of the coolest things I have ever seen in wrestling. The, the horse was fun. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. funny he went to a bar. Don't get me wrong. But the whole scene starting with Jake Hager walking in and Hangman just sitting there saying, are you here to fight or are you here to drink? And then pouring the drink and then taking a drink first and him running him over the, the bar. It was the best fight scene, in my opinion, uh, of this whole thing. Uh, Flobo, are you a believer in Hangman Adam Page? I was always a believer in Hangman Page, but I will agree with you, Jack, that run uh, for the AEW title made me go, I don't know. But I mean, the, the moment when we were all told to stay inside our homes, to stay safe and stay healthy, and Adam Page had a video about him at home with the dynamite theme and the colored like fireworks going around him <laughs> while he's like playing on his PlayStation. I was like, this guy knows it. Timing is on yeah. point. Uh, the character motivations are on point. I do like the fact that you had Hager uh, just being like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall for this. Ended up being the guy taking the fall anyway. So to me, I think <laughs> that made it, I made a point for everyone. I think coming out of this, I'm not sure how long the Omega Hangman Page tag team is gonna run. But if they were to break off sooner than later, I can see Hangman Page now being a star. Or being a single star. So, yeah, they had, by the way, Hager, to me, felt like he took a big L when he lost to Moxley a few weeks ago. But he took a bottle of the face and shrugged it off before taking on both the tag team champions, before eating a assisted buckshot lariat over the, 
uh, over the bar. Josh, is is Hager on a monster we expected him to be? Did this build him up, even though he kind of ended up knocked out over the side of the the railing? I think he hit the nail on the head. I mean, when he took that loss to Moxley, it kind of just deflated his stock a little bit. And then seeing him being beat up at the bar kind of dipped it a little bit. But the only saving grace is it took two guys to take him out, not just one, not just uh, – not just Adam Hangman Page and Omega, yeah. not, not just Adam Page himself, but it actually took Omega just to come along with him, just to double team on him. And I think that still makes him look strong in a sense where it doesn't, it not necessarily takes only one person, but you need to have more than one person to kick someone's ass like that. Yeah. And the thing about Hager too, I agree with, I agree with you, Josh, that match, I knew Jack, that match with uh, Mox a couple weeks ago, did you go, man, but he has the advantage of still being an active MMA competitor. If you yeah. like, beat mm-hmm. someone in the face next month on pay-per-view, then cool. <laughs> you know, there's your footage. I mean, honestly, yeah. all it takes to really just really invigorate Jake, Jake Hager is to him for him to have a dominant run against, I don't know, a slew of jobbers and maybe someone at like upper mid card notable. And then that way it'll just be inflated. And then it's kind of like the Brock Lesnar syndrome. He needs to, even if he takes an L, let him run through a couple people, build him up, and then he'll be main event ready for that. Slew Speaking of jobbers. Of- <laughs> the slew of jobbers. That's the name of my new stable. Slew of jobbers. <laughs> um, uh, so Jericho and Sammy Guevara were taking on the Young Bucks. Uh, and this was just pure fun, I thought. Between the cheerleaders cheering for Sammy and uh, Jericho pulling all the football references out, throwing flags and going for the review and and. Uh, the butts jumping off the goalposts and doing a hundred yards of Northern light suplexes. I know Flobo, you were smiling when you saw that because your favorite move of all time is the Northern lights. I pop for anyone doing Northern light suplexes. <laughs> I mean, the love well, man. <laughs> well, that'll definitely move the chains. I also loved how Sammy Guevara, uh, Sammy Guevara <laughs> woke up on a, uh, on a sprinkler that was spraying him. Uh, this just seems silly to me. I don't think any of these guys really needed much as far as going forward. And so they just had fun with it. Josh, was that the right call? Just have fun with it. You don't need to, you know, we don't of need to course. make Jericho look any I mean, better. We don't need, yeah. Think about it this way. If you were to have just like a serious match in like an empty stadium, it's just going to be super centered in a ring. But the fact that they let these guys have a little bit of just their personality and their characters and just to have fun with it. I mean, who in their right minds wouldn't want to run around in an empty football stadiums? I know I would, if it was just like, Hey, I'll give you the keys for this. Have fun. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to run around. So why not? Let them have fun. Yeah. I was sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was actually in the watching the match in the moment. I was like, you know, this is, this is kind of cheesy, kind of cheesy, but Mm -hmm. I thought about it. Here's the genius of AEW. If you really want to think about it, they in past pay-per-views and past experiences, main events have been so brutal that states have been judging whether or not to even come back. But you found a yes. way to find a match that was extended, entertaining, and technically playing by the rules while keeping your edge? Genius. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. And the um, of course, it ends with uh, Sammy Guevara taking the one-winged angel off the top of the stadium, down through the floor. The only person that probably was more frustrated than Sammy Guevara having to take that fall was probably Darby Allen, who jumped off a high spot earlier and had everyone forget all about that. After so the uh the uh the elite wins here was that the right call i'll let either of you take it do you think the the good guys should have come out on top here 
I think so. I mean, this feud's been going on since last year, like around October, I'm going to say. And you always see the inner circle coming up at the end, you know, the bad guys with the foil and everything. But I think this time around, since the story was built great enough from the end of last year to about this year, I think it was pretty much just reasonable cause to have the good guys go over in the end. Flobo, what do you think? Yeah, if it's the end of this, and that's the right, right answer. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a gripe in me saying, well, Sam and Guevara took the L again. It should be maybe Jericho or maybe a member of the Proud and Powerful, at least, at least a hate, someone else, but Sammy. But no, I think we've had so many matches with this group to the point we brought in Matt Hardy now. Uh, we really got to give these guys chances to grow on their own. If this is the end, then I'm happy with the result. You know, you mentioned Sammy Guevara took the took the fall, and, and that sucks for him because it seems like he's always the guy. But I challenge people. You know, we keep saying that Sammy Guevara is the future, but I challenge people to watch any of the episodes or of any show for the past few weeks and tell me that Sammy Guevara isn't in the top five segment every single week for the past few months. He is absolutely killing it right now. And I was thinking, like, who came out the best in this match? Who do we look forward to the most? Who really became the star? I said it was Adam Page, but I can't help but think Sammy Guevara has just added another statement piece onto his resume. Flobo, am I mistaken? Absolutely not. Uh, I think, the again, the the, ba- the middle of the road bait alert is everyone got elevated here. But yeah, if I had to pick the three stars of the match, like you do in hockey, yeah, Hangman Page, Sammy Guevara, even Jake Hager began a little bit of a rehab for his character. Those three definitely had the most to gain uh, last night. And I, how do you feel, Josh? I definitely feel the same way. I mean, if you think about the pay-per-view overall, it not only showcased all the talent, but it showcased a lot of the younger talent. With If you think about all the matches, you know there's like a majority of them with like a lot of young guys under the age of, I'm going to say, 29 or 28 or so. I mean, you got Darby Allen, you got Jungle, Jungle Jack Perry, you got MJF, you got Sammy Guevara, you got Darby Allen. You have a whole slew of young guys. And the great thing about this pay-per-view was it showcased all of them so well like throughout each and every match. So regardless if it's a win or a loss, all these young guys are going to be elevated and they're going to be the future of that company for sure. It's crazy because you just gave me five names, five names that are going to be stars. And somewhere else you can find five stars is if you check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, uh, go ahead and leave those five stars leave a comment, hit subscribe, and make sure to share it with your friends. It's people like you that help make us the ESPN of TV talk. Absolutely appreciated. And I deserve an award for that transition, my friends. But we are going to... Transition of the century right there, Jack. That was awesome. (laughs) We're going to go ahead and keep on rolling with more stars. Jan Moxley had a match with Brody Lee for the AEW heavyweight championship of the world this to me felt like the biggest most real test of john moxley's reign as the aew champion and i think this match made john moxley in fact i said to myself when this was done dean ambrose is dead long live john moxley (laughs) flobo you had some uh, some opinions about old Dean Ambrose before, and now how yeah. he is as John Moxley. Has, yeah. Have we officially erased Dean Ambrose from the the history books here? Um, 
I did, but I did that when he paradigm shifted Kenny Omega onto the pine of the canvas a couple <laughs> months ago. Uh, this match here was was brutal in a whole different way, and it was it was great. I think you're right. If you look at the guy in the ring now, he's John Moxley. Sidebar: I kind of cringe when I hear Chion Moxley because all I can think of is Chion Cena from back in the day. But the match itself Man. was good. Yeah, Chion. Uh, it was it was great, <laughs> and, I, and I do think Brody Lee can hang. Again, the the slight demerit I could even say is where does Brody Lee go from here, which we'll discuss in a second. But I think the mm-hmm. matchup was great. Uh, there was a lot, there was some blood play, but not too crazy. It was befitting of what the AEW title stands for, and meaning what you have to give to either win it or defend it, or in John Moxley's case, both because he lost the title by by, by theft and got it back by a pinfall. <laughs> so props to John on that one. Yeah, Josh, watching this match, I, I saw Brody Lee, he had some new attire. I'm a big fan of the new attire. People who know me know that I take ring attire very seriously. Uh, I thought these two had great chemistry. It felt very much like a John Moxley match. John Moxley being the kind of guy that is going to always have big moments using the environment around him. Did you enjoy this match as a match? Just I straight did, up yeah. match. I did, yeah. And of course, just taking back some of the words that I've said in the past few weeks, I was very critical on Brody Lee taking this match because here he comes in not ranked whatsoever and just already giving the main event shot already for the belt. And at first I was just a little hesitant, but watching this match, I was just like, if this is the beginning of the feud, I'm all for it. Like he can have that pass bypass all the rankings and whatever the AEW is doing and just go for the main event because this match legitimately put both of these guys really top tier especially john uh, john i was gonna call him john cena john moxley just <laughs> open tearing in it and then that spot and then that spot with the paradigm shift into the stage oh my goodness made me think of taz versus bam bam bigelow heat wave ecw 98 Whoa, that that's a deep cut bro getting <laughs> it in there <laughs> yes. Yo, heat wave low-key one of my favorite uh wrestling pay-per-views by the way uh they uh I agree. Him going through the floor, I I popped. I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying these kind of terms. I popped. I was like, hey, that was so cool. I love when people go through the floor. They could do it every show, and every time I'd go, hey. So just for the record, Jack pops the biggest move ever. But I'm like, North of my suplex. Wow. <laughs> uh. Uh, it explains our uh, our personal preferences on wrestlers as well. But. Right. Uh, Something that happened, I, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, I guess, one, before we get into to, to John Moxley winning, Brody Lee, he takes the paradigm shift through the floor. He gets up. He takes another paradigm shift, kicks out at one, takes another paradigm shift, counts out at two, or kicks out at two. Three paradigm shifts didn't put him away. It wasn't enough to win the match, though. Uh, Flobo, does, does, because he went through so much – does Brody Lee keep his big, scary, unbeatable monster status, or did this set him back? Um, I, I would say if he had lost by pinfall, but the way that Brody Lee tapped out, I'm starting to question that. And maybe that may be a storyline beat. Maybe it might he be a rebirth. Oh, sorry, it's pass out, right? Tap, tap, he napped, it's he didn't important. tap, he napped. It's important. It's, it's important. important. It, it's important. No, you're right, you're right. I, was, I stand corrected. But, but what I'm saying is seeing that happen, I, you have to give me a storyline reason to think he's as scary as he was before. Maybe the Dark Order can can have a remix or something, or, or a reincarnation or something. Uh, as it is remix. right now, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, DJ mode. Uh, as it is right now, I'm not as as, as afraid of Brody Lee seeing John Moxley straight. You know, do one of those things for him. So, 
So what is next for the for the Dark Order? Because something I'm kind of thinking might happen is if I'm Evil Uno and I'm Stu Grayson sitting at home, I'm thinking to myself, you kind of kicked us out. You acted like you knew what you were doing. You came in like the big boss and you just got choked out. Josh Alonzo, do we need to see some uh, some dissension in the ranks here in the, the Dark Order? Or are they yesterday's news? I think I think give it a few more weeks or maybe a couple more months and then, then we can start talking uh, – Dark Order, uh, Hollywood and Dark Order, Wolfpack. And then that's where we can go and just like say, all right, let's pick our sides, guys. Always go Team Hollywood. Uh, yeah, Flobo, I want to ask you, because you're a story guy. You appreciate good storytelling. As they were building up to Moxley versus Hager, they talked all about John Moxley's MMA training. And here he is retaining with a chokeout. Is this them paying off a little bit of a – a storyline here or am I just digging too oh, far into absolutely. it? Absolutely. If, if if you're thinking about the growth of John Moxley, the AEW champion, every single match, every single promo is built on him. I would say John Moxley is the best written, not booked, written champion in North American professional wrestling far and away. The thing is, when you're someone that strong, you got to give talent that can go with them. So you look at who's available and you say Bernie Lee, which is a good choice on paper. Burley is still so new, I worry about him. So John Monks, he's great. MMA training, he mm -hmm. could probably work a gun if you gave it to him. <laughs> my concerns is my man Brody. What happens next for him? Well, let me let me follow up on that then, uh, because you say he's the best written character in all of North American pro wrestling. Yeah. I know he's still in the middle of it, but how do you compare his reign to Jericho's? I know they only got two options, but if you had to rank all AEW world champions, how would you yeah. rank them? I think that the appeal of Jericho was that he was someone that was still a living, even though he was older, even though it was an older version of Jericho, this was the guy that was in, in that promotion 10 years ago, that other promotion 20 years ago, the man in Japan, the rock star, the actor, the guy that kind of looks like Gordon Ramsay on my TV screen, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but his week-to-week -week promos were just him establishing and reestablishing that I was the pain maker. Uh, whereas with John Moxley, it's a very basic premise. People's champion AEW walking to the crowd, but you have to tell the, the fans not only why you deserve to be champion, why you are a little bit crazy and off the wall, but why you're also not Dean Ambrose of the promotion. And I think that was a nuance in, in, in his character that made it stand out a little bit more. So we see who the next challenger already is going to be for, for John Moxley. He's going to be facing the man they call Brian Cage. He's a machine! I loved Brian Cage in Lucha Underground. He totally won me over back then. Also been tearing it up at Impact Wrestling. Josh Alonzo, I got to ask you, there's been a slew of signings over the past uh, few months for AEW. Is Brian Cage the biggest signing that AEW has gotten yet? I think so far, yes, because if you take a look at Brian Cage's resume, it is phenomenal. Not only a former world champion and X Division champion over at Impact, but he's done a lot, a slew of different things all over the world, including PWG. I believe he did not New Japan, but he did some Japanese promotion over there, and his work speaks for itself. And then pairing him with Taz, just perfect right there because you have a former machine like taz and then you have a new breed of machine like brian cage that is just a pairing that is so perfect and then of course as we saw in the end story of uh, the latter match we saw a little bit of just like taz telling like giving darby allen the messages like hey you picked that losing side now i got my guy now we're going for the championship now your loss 
Yeah, with uh, with Cage, it's interesting. Like he came out, and I thought he handled himself so well in in showing us his move set. If you've never seen him before, you got to see some of his cool moves, like the I can't remember what he calls it. I call it the Steiner screwdriver, the su- vertical suplex into a pile oh, driver, power bombing Luchasaurus onto the onto the table or uh, the the ladder. The fact that they literally buried him mid match, and he just powered out of it. And I can tell you right now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will part with money to see Darby Allen versus Brian Cage in the future. I got to ask Flobo, though, you are the resident expert on WWE Raw. You're the host of the after show for AfterBuzz TV here. Taz, Brian Cage, does this feel a little bit like Brock and Paul Heyman, or is that just internet tweet warriors trying to uh, take hot takes? Uh there is that on paper. Let's let's get the person who's affiliated with extreme brand, with someone who's just uh, a, a massive. But it's two different interpretations. What made Paul so savvy was that he had more of the businessman aspect. He could talk you under the table, but he looked like a guy that had a nice suit that can make the cut the deals, get brought the money. So he comes in ever so often. Whereas Taz, he can't manage them, but the, the implication is that I'm learning from somebody else who can damage you with suplexes and technical wrestling. It's very easy to look at Brian Cage and say, okay, you mound of muscle. You could probably slam it around, but are you good? And you have someone in Taz that goes, hey, look, three weeks ago, I had a whole segment of how to hurt people. <laughs> I'm working with you. <laughs> so I'm here with it. And uh, I was a fan of Brian Cage back in the day. I was in the uh, professor wrestling circle with him and SoCal. And it's cool to see him blow up. And, and now I'm the arguably one of the bigger uh, wrestling promotions in the country. I've seen that guy. It's hard to believe he's that ripped. And he just had surgery a few months ago. Like, how unfair is that, man? I work so hard. I don't work nearly hard enough, but I can't, I, I can't, I worry. I, I'm trying to lose a couple pounds. This guy's getting cut open and still just getting gains, getting gains. Uh, this was an interesting ladder match. They did something different. They had the countdown timer uh, before people came into this match. Now, forget about the qu- My first question was, can they win before everyone's even in there? I don't think that's one of those things that's going to come up, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Josh, in general, did you like the countdown timer aspect to this type of ladder match? I did actually like that concept because normally when you have ladder matches and you have multi-person ladder matches, it's always just a cluster of just like who to keep up with what. But then having, starting off with two, then eventually a triple threat, then fatal four-way, and then, you know, fatal five-way if I want to call it, and then uh, the fatal six-way, or forget the other technical term for it, but just going on and on and on. Six-pack challenge. Thank you very much. And I like the progression of just having just each of the competitors coming out one by one by one and just having, giving them their spots and then just working within the area of it. Because if it was just all nine guys at once, I don't think it would have been as great of a match, but then the way it was, it was set up and everything. I thought the match was great. It's funny how a timer makes people coming out seem so much more interesting. I feel like if they, if they had a timer just before the start of a match, it would make me so hyped. Even if it was just like, it's time for the next match. Five, four. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, what match is coming up? I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, it's such a great little uh, workaround there. Now, lots of cool stars in here that I don't think we saw as necessarily winning this match, but still fun to see. I think Kip Sabian with Jimmy Havoc and Penelope Ford looked like a fun group. I really enjoy them. SCU, I've always said Scorpio Sky has world title written all over him. But, Flobo, I want to ask you about a guy who was added to the match last minute because Ray Phoenix was injured uh, on Dynamite, I believe, and Joey Janela took his place. Now, you and I, were, were we were texting back and forth. We, as we do, we chat 
you are a huge fan of Joey Janela. Uh, how do you think he handled himself in this match? In the match, he was great. A-okay, man. Uh, and I was texting you this also. I, he reminds me so much of WWE's Apollo in that I am with mm-hmm. people. I usually go, yo, man, Janela, he is dope. And they turn on the TV and they go, that guy? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you got to see it. Uh, I always did the, the running joke we have in the Raw show is like the, the frog in the cartoons, you know? It's always, when I'm looking at the frog, it doesn't sing, but you turn around, it's like, hello, my baby, hello, my honey. Janela's great. And he's actually won the few I guys. love that reference. I love that <laughs> it's, analogy. It's true. It's my favorite. Uh, Janela's <laughs> great. And I can, I can tell you all these independent matches you can go with YouTube and Google and stuff like that. But as we always say, you got to get dubs. And when he's, a, when he's appeared sporadically in AEW, he doesn't get the win. When he comes out, there is a bit of like a longing for a mystique. Why should I care about the bad boy? You can't call him the bad boy if you ain't that bad. Well, maybe he's just not that good. Or he's just up, bad at have, winning. I, I'm just joking. I've, I've said, I like that, Joey. <laughs> I, li- I like Joey Janela. I just see. I think he needs. I, I've been saying. I think he should be in a tag team because I think he could make someone who needs some some uh, some character pop a little bit more. Uh, but I want to talk about a guy who's got character. I want to talk about a guy who has been blowing our minds for a long time. Darby Allen. A lot of people expected him to win this match. I think outside of maybe mystery competitor who always usually comes out on top in these kind of things but uh darby allen one of the biggest spots of the night skateboarding off the very tippity top of that ladder and when i say top i mean the tippity tippity top people not not like where they got like the back of their knees against the top i mean he was on the top top and he skateboards down and it doesn't work out for him now i think even though he lost this still came off great because i'd still love to see darby versus mox i'd still love to see darby versus cage uh, I think Darby proved he'd be great against anybody, but him not winning, Josh, was this a missed op- opportunity on AEW's part? I don't think so. Like what I stated earlier about uh, the this being a showcase for all the younger talent, they still got a lot of time with Darby Allen. I mean, he is such a he is such a character. Although he doesn't speak, there's a lot of people that relate to him because he is the introvert, mm-hmm. he is the outsider, he is the punk rocker, whatever you want to call him and everything. So he definitely has that mystique sort of similar to what Jeff Hardy had where we rooted for the guy. We rooted for the guy that was definitely a daredevil. And, you know, eventually he will have his day where he is going to become a champion, but that's going to be further down the line. So this loss definitely does not affect him whatsoever. Someone else who didn't really get affected by the loss, I think, is the show stealer himself, Orange Cassidy. Comes out, everything he does, he just steals the show. Uh, He's funny. He finds a way to become believable. I think when he jumped on Cage's back, I almost lost it. I was like, he's going to win, and it's going to be totally believable the way he pulls this off. Uh, Lobo, could we take him seriously as a world title contender? I feel like it's, it's almost time. Oh, man, I'm torn, man. I, I, I get hot it. take, all or he, nothing. He, he, all or nothing. No, no, no. Oh. If we're putting a hot take, the answer is no, and the answer is no because he has to know how a ladder works. First of all, like that, that to me is the wrong with the bullet. No, I, I think there's a room for comedy in wrestling, and we just talked at the singing praise of, of Ortiz, and we saw a stadium stampede match with a bunch of people that could be the world champion. But what Orange Cassidy does is a nice, refreshing thing you put right before intermission. Something to put smiles on face and send the people home. He can be aggressive. I mean, he, if he wants to, but you can't have the guy win a world championship without putting his hands out of his pockets. I mean, that, what kind of message does that send about your level of competition? 
Well, you know, speaking of, of, of the world title, I want to really quickly get your quick, way too early predictions. Uh, Cage won the match, so he's going to face John Moxie at Fighter Fest. They've already mentioned, said when and where. Real quick, again, we're running out of time. Who wins that match, Cage or Moxley? Is this Moxley's last stand, or is he going to retain against the machine? Cage has to win. Yeah. And the thing is, I would say, oh, no, they're just feeding it to Moxley. But we saw that women's title match yesterday, and I had it pegged that that, that Nyla was going to retain, and it didn't happen. So I got to say, man, anything can happen in AEW. They want a predictable title change. John Moxley's the people's champ. He doesn't need it necessarily. And near Brian Cage being this beast on top of the mountain, that's my pick, Brian Cage. Rose and Sheeta are coming up next, but uh, doesn't that become too predictable real quick? I mean, you have you have uh, Jericho, who's the champion, and the new guy that was signed in the second defense is the one that takes the title. This would be the new guy that signed taking the title. Is that kind of the exact same thing that happened to Jericho? If you could sit back, if you're asking me, bro, you can sit back and argue that until you're blue in the face, but that's how MMA works a lot of times, too. And I think AEW is going for that kind of unpredictability. So you may say, okay, yeah, the last three guys, that's a pattern, but I think it's trying to say, hey, look, any given night, anyone is good enough to take you down. That's how MMA works. You hear that, Mox? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. We have, we have uh, Nyla Rose taking on Hikaru Shida for the Women's Championship, and I'm going to say it now. This is the match that will define the AEW women's division for years to come. Right from the start, very physical, very hard-hitting. Josh, I'm going to jump right in with this. Was this Nyla Rose's best match? Possibly may be because we see a stylistic difference between two of the competitors right here. We have Nyla Rose, who is very just like the power driven, just dominating type of force. And we got Hikaru Shida, who is more or less the finesse type and has her striking abilities and everything. And one of the biggest critiques AEW has had is that their women's division hasn't been highlighted or it's not that strong. But as we saw within the past month or just the past few weeks, it's been really building up. And I think this is pretty much just like, hey, the women are here and they're here to kick some ass and this match was so phenomenal from the beginning of Nyla just dominating until the very end where just uh, um, Hikaru Shida was just pretty much having her comeback and everything this was just pretty much a great match overall yeah the title looks so good on Shida I thought her 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 outfit looked cool I don't know if it's a tribute to someone it was different than what she usually wears uh but I thought it was a cool pay-per-view uh setup I think that like I said the title looks good and I mean, she's been the heart and soul of the women's division for a long, long time. And I think she deserves this win. I think she is great as champion. I think this is a new era for her. I think it's a new era for the women's division in AEW. And I think that any argument that the AEW women's division isn't set anymore is completely outdated. Flobo, mm-hmm. is that true or false? Am I crazy? Uh, you said a lot of things. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think the critique is wrong now. I think, I think the critique is wrong. It was weird because when Nyla Rose won the title, we call that the new era. So now we're in a third era. Uh, but I, I really think the match is the match tonight. I didn't like how, how it finished, uh, specifically the pinfall. But what I liked about the match is before the, the, the match even started, you had a car she to come out uh, with her music, different posturing, understanding how important this is. We sit there on Monday and Wednesday nights on the after shows of Raw and NXT. Hands out, mouth agape. How do we build new stars? Well, that's how you do it. You have a talent go out there and go on a winning streak, beating people from different styles and sizes and shapes and say, hey, look, she may have a shot against someone who literally calls herself a beast. It could have gone either way. And on Thursday, as it is Thursday, I could I would have put money that Rose is going to retain. 
and she did it, which I thought was pretty amazing. So we're asking what this AEW women's division look like. Well, it's fighting spirit, right? It's really how far can you be pushed until someone gets a pinfall or a tap or a snap or going beyond the pales might be AEW's calling card. Mm-hmm. This I I love that you say that the fighting spirit. I think they would agree that is a perfect analogy for what their uh, what that division brings, and I think it's I think this really set the tone for them. Uh, another division that had its tone set last night was uh, the TNT Championship. Uh, now, real quick, uh, Flobo, you and I we chat about titles and designs all the time. What are your thoughts on this belt design? Now it's not finished. They right. say they're going to add some gold to it. Uh, do you like the title and how it looks? One and two. If it wasn't finished, should they have not shown it? Okay, the answer is no. Now I know there was some gold plating or whatever, and I, I'm not saying every title should be the same because, I'm, again, WWE as a comparison, you have a flag belt on Monday nights and a gold and, and copper bronze Intercontinental Champion on Friday nights. But I almost felt like there was a, a theme throughout all the belts AEW, that there was almost like an oblong or rectangular vibe. Things kind of have like the, the, the flair on both sides pretty even. This one seems like it was, it was like barred from a, almost like a New Japan, almost a New Japan uh, US title, and it had their TNT stamp on it, straight logo. Uh, the design, the core design looks pretty amateur, but I, can, I can't roast it because it's unfinished. Uh, the answer is you withhold it. If, you, if it's not done, you want to blame the virus, that's fine. You can say you win it later. It happens all the time in sports. You win the championship, you, you ring six months later. It's not a problem. I wouldn't have shown it. I think, I think that's a fair point. I think they could have made it a big deal on another Dynamite as well and said, hey, the unveiling ceremony happens this week or whatever. You can even have something fun where Cody loses before he gets the actual title and he becomes the guy who never has the chance to hold the title. Could have been a fun little thing there, but I'm sure they've got something planned out already. Josh, I want to ask you, Everyone's going to throw their hands up and say, Cody was just trying to become a champion now that he can't become the world title. You know what? I'm going to lead by saying I think he deserves it. He's been the heart and soul of the people since the beginning of this thing. I think he deserved it. Do you think he deserved it? And do you think Archer came out looking okay in the loss? Overall, this this match was competitive, win or loss. I think Archer comes out strong here because it wasn't a simple victory for Cody. And I think it's well deserved for him and I think Cody having the TNT belt is great because he gets to highlight not only the championship but he gets to highlight other guys within that division as well because the main event's already set we needed someone to have control of the mid card and then with Cody being a superstar that he is with the mid belt with the mid card title I think this really is a great time to elevate a lot of the guys that we don't see or maybe a lot of the times we're on uh, AEW Dark, that would be a great place to defend that belt. It just really elevate a lot of the guys within that corner because it reminds me of what John Cena did with the U.S. title, with the U.S. title open and everything like that. It's a great mm-hmm. way to have all these talent just to really just, you know, present themselves to a more mainstream audience that a lot of people are not familiar with. So Cody with the belt, good decision overall. The belt itself, mm, not the greatest looking thing in the world. Yeah, so... Yeah, Tyson. Tyson. I don't know. I, I felt like they didn't get to use him quite the way they wanted to. He just mm-hmm. sort of chased off the uh, the managers. But we're we're low on time, so I'm going to keep on rolling if that's okay with everybody. Uh, we we had a match: MJF versus Jungle Boy. And going into this match, look, I thought this was going to be filler. I thought this was going to be like an interlude kind of kind of match. I dare say they damn near went for match of the night for two guys who are kind of character driven. Guys, they really put on a wrestling show, uh, work in the arm. Jungle Boy's comeback was fantastic. 
Uh, and the pinning series at the end, I had to take a note of, I thought was really, really cool. Uh, Bobo, boys, what's next for these two? Yeah, that was actually my question. What's next for both of them? <laughs> uh, MGF was, was talking the town. He was one of the guys going threatening for the, the, the world championship. Looks like that's not, that's not going to happen. He has to be there, whether or not he's in the front row buying a ticket or the next in line after someone else does it. But if Cage wins it, then I'm not sure that's going to work. But Jungle Boy has to be elevated. I'm not saying he has to go right there for the world title defense. Or maybe he's perfect for the TNT championship for doing it. Uh, but you can't put someone out there and being the workhorse and not award that, the way he's been giving out consistently good matches with our high octane, have good energy, make you feel at a character level, and technical as well, uh, defying what a boy can do. <laughs> I, I predict MJF is going to be the first challenger for that T TNT title. I think they're going to renew that rivalry uh, going after this. But Josh, I want to ask you about Jungle Boy. Can they elevate it? Well, I think we all agree. we got to elevate him. we got to move him on. Can we elevate him and still have him be just Jungle Boy from Jungle Express? Or is that too kind of childish? Does he need to become Jack Perry as, as JR seems to not want to let go of? I think, I think it's a character change. If you really want to elevate him to a main event star, you, got to change, uh, you have to have a character change. I don't know if you remember this, Jack, but a few months ago, you, myself, and Roger were talking about this. I think if you were to put him as a heel and call him Hollywood Jack Perry, I think that would be phenomenal for him. Because if he takes that background of what he yeah. has, obviously we all know who his father was, and then just mm -hmm. really up that right there. And all he has to do is pretty much just like yoke up just a little bit more, just add a few pounds of muscle to him, and he's going to be a credible threat. It's just pretty much a character change here. We know he's athletic. That's not a problem. But I think more than anything, we're just so accustomed as wrestling fans, we need to believe the character in itself. If the character is not there, we're not going to believe him as a main eventer. But if the character change is good, most likely a heel, then he'll be ready for that. Poor Jack runs. Perry. The guy's in such good shape, and we all say he's got to get more muscle. Poor guy. I mean, how, how unfair is it? If I was built like Jack Perry, I would be stoked <laughs> if someone told me to bulk up when I was Shredded there with your like, like long hair in the mirror. Like. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, of of looking shredded, we had Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander. Now Britt Baker got hurt, so Penelope Ford filled in for her. I thought both these two did a great job. I thought Penelope Ford has been like the Swiss Army knife of uh, AEW in a lot of ways. She's been getting involved in men's matches, women's matches, doing all sorts of stuff. I see both of these two as sort of the backbone of the women's division right now. Do you guys, Bobo, uh, any thoughts on these two off, off the top? I think Swiss Army Knife is perfect. It's like the opposite of a workhorse. The workhorse tends to win, or at least have the most challenging matches. But like Penelope Ford is someone you go, okay, she's going to give me a good time, but not really a credible threat. She needs wins on her own against really strong competition. I don't know if you're going to bring in like Ali Kay or anyone of those, one of those girls as well. But I really think of that faction between her and Kip, uh, she could be the one that would be the attraction if given the space to do so. Yeah. Um, real quick, real quick uh, again, because we're, we're low on time here. Spears lost to Rhodes. Uh, Josh, this was fun and silly. Kind of feels like Sean Spears is over, though, and not in the wrestling term kind of way. Are they just – is he kind of a – is he kind of just done, or are they just using him to fill time? What's going on with Sean Spears? It's such a shame what they're doing to Sean Spears. I mean, you take a guy who many of us could agree was underutilized in the WWE as Ty Dillinger. We knew that he's talented. We knew that he's a phenomenal wrestler. It's just unfortunate now they're kind of doing the same old thing here in AEW. I think 
I, I really don't know the solution for Sean Spears. I mean, we saw him literally get beat in his underwear by Dustin Rhodes, which is not a problem because Dustin Rhodes is a phenomenal wrestler, but is this kind of just like a throwaway feud? This was really nothing that Sean Spears could have walked away looking better. If he lost, which he did, doesn't make him look better. If he won, eh, so what? So at this point, yeah. Sean Spears is kind of dead in the water unless they revive his character somehow. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, real quick, before in the buy-in, we had Private Party versus Best Friends, number one contender on the line uh, for the tag team titles. Private Party, I feel like I haven't seen Private Party in years. Uh, and unfortunately, I love them, but it, I feel like they lost a lot of momentum coming back. Flobo, did you, do you see them in, a, in title contention? I mean, they lost, so they're not. But like, did they have a lot of work to, to, to get back and going again? Uh, before the crowds were all dispersed, my problem with them is they're not considered serious. You can have the party boy theme, but I'm not going to take you seriously if you're billed at 40 ounces of vodka, cran vodka cranberry, or what have you. Uh, they mm -hmm. can get the momentum back because it's just that good. The talent will always win the day. But yeah, you got to come to work. You got to come to work so people see you, they can buy your shirt and chant for you. And so people know about that. I think that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, and, and of course, Best Friends win. I think Best Friends should have won because of, uh, they've been the workhorses of this uh, pre-taped uh, era, so to speak. Trent, to me, always stands out like a star. Now, they're going to go up against the uh, – they're going to go up against the, the tag team champions, Hangman and Omega, but it feels like they've already got a bunch of rivalries brewing. They're kind of feuding with Kip and, and Havoc. They're kind of feuding with – uh, the death triangle as well. Josh, would you rather see them continue those feuds as champions? Or do you think they don't need the championships because they've got these built-in rivalries ready to go? I don't think they need the championships because they already have a great feud going on with Kip Sabian and uh, Jimmy Havoc. And I think that would be a phenomenal match in itself right there because you could see a traditional wrestling match at one point. And then, of course, with Jimmy Havoc, you can totally see a hardcore death match type of situation. So I think what will happen is uh best friends are going to challenge for the titles and then kip sabian and jimmy Havoc come out ruin it and then that's where we see that extension of that feud and then omega and uh, hangman page go on to something else and uh yeah and, and so flobo do you agree would you do you think because you just mentioned how do you elevate people right? right and when i you just said the way you elevate people is you have them win a championship it feels like right now the best friends are ready as ever to be elevated does that mean it's time to take the titles away from two guys who could be world champions sure uh i was swayed by what josh said because i was going to say well yeah you give the titles to, to best friends because they have three built-in foods and there you go you have storylines built in kenny omega doesn't have to be in this division either this hangman page everybody wins uh but you're right if, if you want to entertain storylines you don't necessarily have to have the titles on them because now you can have two sets of tag team storylines on the same show not what concept <laughs> you know? what's wrong with that yeah, it's it's funny. We always talk about how we want these mid-card situations to happen in different divisions, and here AEW is giving it to us. But it's also good. I think they're getting this title shot. I, for one, don't want to see Hangman Adam Page and, and Kenny Omega break up anytime soon. I feel like they're just getting started. It's almost – it reminds me of NXT with the Broserweights a little bit and how mm -hmm. they uh, they were sort of an odd couple. I love, love, love the moment of Hangman and Kenny – pouring each other a drink at the bar and one was milk and one was uh some kind of booze i don't know what it was uh but uh flobo do you want to see that team continue or do you want to see them just get to the point and see see this team implode uh you know i think kenny omega is a perfect four for hangman page which is funny because they think you say the opposite but i want more mm -hmm. hangman i want more hangman i think kenny omega is a perfect like chill out 
uncle hangman you know so yeah more yeah. of them i'm all for it uh so that that's kind of all the all the matches that went down at the show overall based on all the other shows we've seen during this uh empty arena where do you guys josh we'll start with you where do you rank it is this would you say that this was like I'm gonna. I'll, I'll spoil it. I think it was the best. I was excited the whole time. I forgot there wasn't a crowd. I think they nailed it perfectly. But Josh, am I crazy? Am I losing it? Am I nuts? You were. You would be crazy if you would think that this is not a great show because the thing that AEW does best is they don't have pay per views going month to month to month. They have these pay per views spread out sporadically, and so you see a lot of these stories grow progressively naturally which is great because you get to really invest your time into each of these storylines into each of these characters and i think that's really what the key was that we need time for all everything to soil in it's like when you're marinating a piece of steak or a piece of chicken you really got to get those flavors in it to really appreciate that taste and that's what the, that taste was yesterday but overall great show three-day weekend barbecue over at josh's place by the way got it uh well <laughs> i know your heart is with the wwe but how do you think uh, old aew stood up this weekend i i can't believe i'm saying this because this is gonna sound weird say out of my mouth but when it comes down to atmosphere double or nothing was bigger than wrestlemania <laughs> wrestlemania yeah. was two nights what? <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. maybe it was the open air arena. Maybe it was the crowd and piped in crowd nonsense. Maybe it was committing to the theme fully with the stuff in the crowd. And the matches were great. Whereas you can't do Cody Dustin too. A year has passed. What we got instead is something that's completely unique and perfect for this time. So as a pay-per-view, as a show, as a promotion, all successes across the board. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I was chatting to a, uh, some of my, my smart and cool friends about what they thought of the show. And we all seem to agree there was a combination of the production, the props, and uh, all the stories just contributed to this atmosphere that really made everything feel special. And it's, I think a lot of it has to go to just the planning and everything they did to, to get here. I give it a Jack Farmer official 17 stars um out of who knows i don't know you got to keep watching and do the math i guess i don't know i make it up who cares it's stars it's made up just enjoy it <sighs> overall it was a great show i appreciate everyone as always for joining us i think that'll do it for us uh josh why don't you do the world a favor and tell them where they can find you online and all that good stuff of course, you guys can find me at all the social media platforms at J-O-A-L-323. And before we go, quick shout out to people in the chat. We got SwitchFan94. We got Emma Rose. We got Eric Clark. We got Haywood Wong. We got Charlene. We got Anissa Barr in the chat. We also have Mike and Zeno Hour. And we also have the usual, all the usual suspects, including Joseph Bozo as well. So thank you guys so much for checking us out. Hope you guys have a great night. Yeah, you guys who are here with us live, it's always such a treat to have you. And it's always something that I like to go back and look at the chat and see what everyone's chatting about. I get distracted. It's hard for me to type and talk at the same time. Um, most people, I can't, I can't do this number very well. But <laughs> so we appreciate you being here. Flobo, where can they find you online? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Flobo Voice, on Instagram at Flobito, and of course, Flobito.com. But every Monday night and Wednesday night after Buzz TV Wrestling and Sports, the Raw after show, the NXT after show, this guy is on your screen. 
And of course, I am your host. You can find me, Jack Farmer, at jackcfarmer.com, as well as at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. You can also check me out on the AfterBuzz WWE Raw After Show every Monday at 9.15 Pacific Standard Time, as well as the AW Dynamite After Show every Wednesday at 8.15 Pacific Standard Time, as well as Jack Flobo Wrestle with your questions. It's a Thursday special where we answer any old random crazy question you guys throw at us. Also, you can check me out playing with Smart Button at smartbutton.com. Get yours today. It is a treat, so treat yourself and get one. I think that'll do it from all of us. And until next time, as always, folks, do your best and be yourself. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.